It takes more than endorsing your colleagues for Microsoft Office on LinkedIn to be a great engineer. This is episode 273 of the Soft Skills Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. I'm your host, Dave Smith. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice show where we answer your non-technical questions about the technical field of software development. I hesitated while I said weekly because we missed a week last week. (laughs) I think it's like the average number of fingers on a human is less than 10. And the okay, average yeah. the average period between episodes is slightly more than one week. <laughs> but we aim to come ever closer to the average, although never meeting it. That's right. I don't know. Maybe we'll do like 10 episodes in a day just to yeah. get back on track. <laughs> That's true. We can counteract all of this. That's, yeah. We don't have to be satisfied with the asymptotic approach. Yeah. All right. I know what I'm doing over the weekend. <laughs> You're about to get 17 episodes with just James. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be so good. (laughs) Dave, do you want to thank our patrons? Sure, I do. These are the folks that are contributing at the amount that gets them a one-time shout-out. That is Thomas Farlaw and Zimmerly. And then we have our weekly shout-out contributors, Ian Walter, Arun Dunna, Kashokton, Ohio. This is Dobby, patreon.com.au. We're hiring. Ira Chan, the monkey face emoji, Jonathan King, testing is documenting.org, Roman Denisov, trans rights, Fizzbuzz influencer, Oladapo Fadiyi, Kiaran Sveinsen, Will Angel, Ragnar Hardison, window.alert, open parens, double quote, you have been pwned, double quote, close parens, Nick Hathaway, Travis Sanders, <laughs> Dennis Bogdanov, Braden Gaines, John Grant, Taras Haruk, Nick Kantar, Philip John Basile, bitesofwisdom.com, with a Y. Jameson, was it weird that a little alert box popped up in my browser when I said one of those? One popped up in my head. <laughs> I didn't even know it could do that. Cross brain scripting. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully they cannot seg fault my brain. <laughs> Thank you to all those people. You get to join our excellent Slack community as well if you contribute any amounts. And we are happy to have you. We've got a great bunch there. We sure do. And they smell good. I think we've said before they smell good, right? They smell better every time I smell them. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. Uh, Should I read our first question? (laughs) Yeah, go for it. All right. This is from a listener named Anonymous. Okay. (laughs) Looks a little bit like anonymous, but they're trying to make me stumble over my words. Joke's on you. I'll do it anyways without you trying. (laughs) Anyways, how do you influence people and change minds? I work on a team where things often happen by inertia. I have a lot of ideas about how to improve our process, scope our work better, collaborate more effectively, etc. I'm comfortable with sharing my concerns and suggestions with my manager and the rest of the team, but the opinion of any single developer is usually politely noted and ignored. As an individual contributor, what's the best way to influence the rest of your team and your manager without being the overly critical, toxic person who tries to shut down every idea? Huh. You really cut me off at the knees when you said... How can I do this without being overly critical and toxic? (laughs) (laughs) What are we supposed to do without our best tool for changing minds and winning friends and influencing people? (laughs) I mean, being overly toxic Mm. and critical not only gets what you want, but also it ends up moving all the other people off the team. So you can do whatever you want. Yeah, I mean, or it moves you off the team. Well, true. But... You can do whatever you want at home without (laughs) being paid. (laughs) Freedom. Got a lot of freedom there. Yeah. You know what? Use use whatever linting style you want. 
in your underwear on the couch eating <laughs> potato chips at i don't know 11:30 a.m. Yeah. Although in this remote work world isn't that all of us? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I've revealed too much. Okay. <laughs> I have one thought, which is a prototype or a demo or some kind of straw man proposal is worth a lot of meetings and talking. If you are trying to convince people to do a thing, if you can show them and here's what it looks like, even if it's a half-baked implementation or an unpolished idea, that can go pretty far in convincing people because they have a concrete artifact to talk about. So uh, this doesn't apply to every problem shape, but often... If it's kind of a technical discussion, if you just put together a quick demo of maybe what this new technology or pattern looks like, it makes talking about it much easier than um, having an abstract conversation about change, which is hard. I see your prototype demo, and I raise you to the next level, which is a toxic prototype. (laughs) What does a toxic prototype do? This is where you present a new way of doing code, except you do so while yelling at everyone and criticizing all their feedback. Ah, so you take advantage of the full power of both prototyping and yes. being overly critical and toxic. <laughs> exactly. Okay. I would like to let you in on a secret, which is that, how do I say this without revealing the secret i don't think i can i'm just gonna reveal it did you just ask how can i let you in on a secret without revealing the secret yeah i'm wondering if there's some kind of like public key cryptography thing i can do (laughs) over text or okay (laughs) all right how fast can you factor numbers in your head Dave? (laughs) large prime numbers very very slowly (laughs) okay this will be fine then so a healthy team will have discussion on things that could change or be improved sometimes there's so much of that discussion that a manager will let it flow over them like water in a stream and and kind of wait for it to become loud enough to be signaled to pay attention to there there can be a lot of changes a lot of suggestions flying around all of them or some of them might require some work on their part they probably have other work to do and your manager can sometimes just like get used to how it works and and be effective there and then let things stay the same. Mm, inertia. So they might have some incentive to not change stuff because it makes their job briefly harder, even though it might make it easier later on. Or maybe they think it's going to make it harder later on too. That's true. Not all ideas are good. Except your ideas. <laughs> Mine are all good. <laughs> yes, yours are all good. I don't know what you do to counteract that. Actually, I do. I think you need to show that the... Try and give some representation of what the cost of implementing that idea is in how much time is it going to take how much is it going to is it going to add a step forever to a process which now however long you do that process is going to take longer is it what is the cost to trying this out if you can somehow illustrate that and especially if you can demonstrate that then that can get around the inertia or the the laziness that your manager might have are you saying that if you present your path uh, and or sorry, if you just quantify the effort to do the idea, that it will somehow motivate your manager to want to do it more. I think if you show them it's it's not that much work. Look, we could just ah, do so. This. So not not just quantify it, but also make sure it's small. <laughs> yeah, that's true. 
<laughs> do you have 12 to 16 months to devote? <laughs> yeah, because I mean, let's be that's honest. that's how long I've estimated. Yeah, it I mean, will take. <laughs> let's, re- let's rewrite the whole app in Haskell. It's only going to take three or four years for the entire team. I have quantified it. Let's do this. Yep, problem solved. Yeah, thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, astute you know, observation. So, so pedantic, right? But I mean, it, I think it matters because that's another part of the puzzle. I think is ideas that are cheap to implement, that have big positive impacts, are the most likely to get some traction in the team. Especially like like Jameson mm-hmm. said, if you do the the first steps ahead of time and bring them an already half working thing, that really helps. Any other strategies? Well, you know what else? In addition to just making it fast, like being able to get to the solution you're proposing quickly. Also, if you can show an escape hatch plan where you say, look, I'm not, I, I, I'm never certain about anything and there's a chance this idea will fail. If it is, A, here's how we'll know and B, here's the escape hatch that we can use to get out of here. So in other words, I'm not going to lock you in to this idea forever. Let's just try yeah. it for two weeks and see how it goes. Those ideas almost always get the green light. Because it's really clear, like, A, the manager doesn't have to do very much. It's not a big effort. And B, we're going to know. Like, within a few weeks, we'll know if it's a good idea. And we'll just chuck it out if we if we have to. I like that. Good idea, Dave. You made it easy for me to try it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah let's just try this, Jameson. <laughs> okay. Here's an idea. Let's just try letting me answer a question. <laughs> just once. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever had someone bring an idea to you and you were like, look, this might be a good idea but I'm worried that it's just going to be one more thing on my pile of things that I have to do every week and we're never going to be able to stop doing this. Yeah, and it's an endlessly growing pile. Yes, Is that what you mean? For sure. And you just added one more thing to it. Yeah. Is your question, have I ever felt that way? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. Like when someone brings an idea to you and it's just like, oh man, this is going to be a pain for me. Yeah, right or wrong, I have been guilty of feeling that way. Again, this gets back to the cost. If you can say, and I'll do it, that's a it's mm-hmm. a pretty easy that takes away the the concern about is this gonna take up more of my time and and it leaves the concern of is this going to make the team or the project or whatever better or not, which hopefully it should. Yeah. But if it doesn't, you also have promised your manager that you'll be the first one to kill it if it doesn't. Ah. Or it will get you. It'll what? <laughs> You'll go down with the idea. Oh. <laughs> I'm staking my whole career on this idea. Exactly. So, so far we've talked about how to bring ideas to your manager, but also I think there's another aspect of this, which is building a coalition of your peers and building consensus among them. I have found that there are two elements to that that make it work well, kind of two patterns. The first one is give the project a name. For whatever reason, when projects have names or ideas have names, they they get purchase in people's minds more permanently instead of like hmm. that long thing that takes three paragraphs to describe that people can't ever remember all the details of. If you just give it a name, like the Jabberwocky project. <laughs> yeah. You know that reference, right? Uh, I know there's a poem that talks about the Jabberwocky. Oh, you are. Oh, you're way too cultured, Jameson. <laughs> That was Jabberwock. Oh yeah, this was okay. So you you didn't ever watch the IT crowd, did you? No. Okay. Well, that's an IT crowd reference. Anyway, the Vorpal sword went snicker snack. (laughs) Isn't that how it goes? I don't I don't actually know the original. I just know the pop culture reference. Nah, I gotta look it up. Okay. (laughs) Nope, that's not how it goes at all. Wait, yeah, it is. The Vorpal blade went snicker snack. It's a Vorpal blade, not a Vorpal sword. Okay. All right, adding it to the show notes. Okay. (laughs) 
This is crucial information. You're going to want to click this yep. link. It's it's by Lewis Carroll. Uh, is there like an affiliate program we can sign up on this one and make sure we get a kickback when people read the poem? Let's talk to Lewis Carroll and see what he thinks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, if, it, if the project has a name, it will occupy space in people's minds that is harder to flush out and it will stick. Like, oh yeah, remember that project, the Jabberwocky project? Oh yeah. Instead of, remember that thing where we're going to take this module and then we're going to refactor it over here, but then it's going to have a dependency on the database schema change over there, which will then, you know, it's like, hmm. it's very hard for that idea to stick in people's minds. So that's number one is give the thing a name. And number two is hmm. go to individuals individually on your team and talk to them about the idea, get feedback from them in a private setting, not in a big group meeting where you've got all the meeting dynamics and politics potentially at play and other things happening that can influence people go to them privately show them your that show them your idea show them your enthusiasm for the idea and get their buy-in then when you bring the group together for whoever whoever signs off for these things whether it's your manager or maybe a more senior engineer or something then you can look around the room and say jessica signs off fred signs off and they're all nodding right they're all sitting there heads moving up and down with you and then yeah. all looking at your manager together and your manager's like, uh, you know, and so that like breaks the inertia where it's like, oh, yeah. I really, I don't want to do anything new, but I've got these five heads nodding at me. I can't have them stop nodding or I'll die. <laughs> That's how I think. <laughs> I agree. The importance of, of giving people a chance to mull over an idea. I've seen ideas succeed or fail based on whether people had heard them or not. And the initial yeah. reaction is like, what? I haven't had a chance to think about this. How dare you? And then yeah. later on, it's it's much more reserved. It's like, oh, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's a very good point. You don't want the knee-jerk reaction to be the final reaction. Yeah, which uh, that can feel bad because it means that sometimes it takes longer, right? You have to gather consensus and mm -hmm. get feedback and chase people down and but if it's going to be tricky to convince people or tricky to implement, it's, I think it's worth doing. Yeah. May I suggest that aside from the skill of quitting your job, consensus building might be the most important skill for more senior engineers, especially in larger organizations. That makes a lot of sense to me. That's how you, how you get stuff done. And that will remain true until next week when I say something else is the most important skill. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got for you, Jameson. Clearly it's answered, right? Let's wrap this Jabberwocky. Okay. Shall I read the next question? Yeah. Okay. This comes from a listener named Lee who says, for those who work in a, quote, flat hierarchy structure, is it unreasonable to ask for a 30 to 35% pay raise? Normally, that would sound like an absurd ask. However, given the fact that everyone is considered a, quote, engineer, the higher compensation that comes with a promotion isn't available any other way than explicitly asking for it, as far as I know. I'm not looking to jab my employer for more money, especially since I like my current one, but since what I'm doing on a daily basis sounds an awful lot like that senior engineer position I hear about, I naturally would like my pay to reflect what I do. What do you suggest? Quit your job. <laughs> quit your job. Quit your job. Quit your job. <laughs> yeah, if you want a 30-35% pay raise... It's not impossible to do at the same job, but I bet if you rounded up a group of people who had gotten a 30 to 35% pay raise, most the, the vast majority of them would have done it by switching jobs. It's still not easy to do by switching jobs necessarily, but it's there's just a lot of... I said inertia for the last question. I feel like I need a new metaphor, but I don't mm -hmm. have one. There's a lot of inertia that a company has, or it's it's anchoring 
right? Okay. They, they have some perception of your value based on your current salary. They have some perception of how much that salary jumps for promotions. And in my experience, it is not 30 to 35%. Mm, what is it? 5%? I don't know. I feel like 5, 10%, something like that. Hmm. So this, this feels like this feels outside of the range of the salary bump you would get from moving up one level. It does at a normal company that has a structure and hierarchy to it. But I almost wonder if, given how flat this company is, maybe that also means that there's no like pay scales and there's no policy on how big the raise can be, like pay caps. So maybe you ask for that much and they're like, oh, I don't know, we're a flat hierarchy, a flat org, so yes. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> they just point you towards the spreadsheet where you change the number of yeah. dollars you make. <laughs> right next to all your peers. Yeah, anything goes. It's flat. It's flat. The total number must add up to this. So you got to go subtract <laughs> some dollars from somebody else. I suggest the CEO. He won't notice. Yeah. How many yachts does he need? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I guess it doesn't hurt to ask... We've said this a bunch. You absolutely will not get it if you don't ask right. way up front. So flat could mean a few different things. Do you think it means that there aren't levels or that there aren't uh, reporting hierarchies or something else? I think what this usually means is that uh, a com <laughs> actually just had a wicked thought. The cynic in me thinks that this means the same thing that the uh, open open office plan means, which is that People try to describe why it's advantageous to productivity and to the employer and also to the employee. But in the end, it just comes down to cost savings. You know, if I can cram mm -hmm. 17 people into the same square footage as I could cram four people, I can save a lot of money on my on my rent. And I think the same thing is true here. If I can just get rid of a whole layer of middle management, I can save a lot of money on my <laughs> <laughs> labor budget. <laughs> yeah, you could get a lot less stuff done, too, depending on whether they add value or not. Hmm. Yeah, who do you ask if it's a flat hierarchy? Who do you who do you ask to say I would like thirty to thirty five percent more money, please? Yeah, it's a good question. Maybe it's one of your peers. The group. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Put it put it before a vote. Yep. Pop it in Slack. At channel, everybody gets a little doop doop. What I what I suspect might happen here, or or could be true of some flat orgs, is that the flatness is is in like you said hierarchy. Right? There's not layers of reporting that that kind of go up it's all everybody's sort of at the same level and then maybe there's some executives or something but there still have to be differences in skill and experience and and i would expect even if it was flat people to still be compensated according to the value they provide in some yeah. way or at least the value they convinced the company they could provide <laughs> when they negotiated their salary. There you go. Now you're talking. I would be I would be more convinced of that than the uh, first thing you said. Okay. They are compensated the according to the whatever their last job paid them and their negotiation skills. A combination of those two things. Yeah. So there's probably some some accommodation for changing what you pay people instead of you just dump all the people in an open office and throw a handful of dollars in there and say like you consider yourselves paid. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Maybe if they're a flat structure, they should do this thing where they just, have you ever seen those like kind of glass boxes? You can go, a person, one person can go inside and there's these fans that are blowing in there and there's all these dollar bills flying around and you just. Oh, and you have to snatch them out of the air. Yeah. You snatch them out of the air and however many you can, you can fist out of the yeah. air. You walk out, that's your pay. 
Maybe that's how the yeah. flat, a flat structure does pay, and the number of minutes you get <laughs> in the box is based on your seniority or something, your tenure. Okay. So you could be senior, but if you are not agile, it, if you don't have deft <laughs> fingers to, to pull things out of the air. Yeah, we practice agile, agile here. <laughs> you should see every Friday. The sixth principle of agile. Put people <laughs> in a glass box with fans and blow money at them and use that to pay them. That's from the manifesto. Uh, if you go to the website that lists the manifesto, you just have to highlight it because they put it in 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 white font because yeah. they didn't want to they didn't want to reveal their true intentions. It's all a hoax by big glass box fan company. Yeah, trying to drum up business. Maybe the number of tickets you close that week is the number of minutes you can spend in the box with the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then you just turn it into like I open my editor ticket. <laughs> Every every little task gets yeah. ticketed. Is that good? Goodhart's law. We talk about this so much. Oh yeah, Goodhart's law. When a measures when a measure becomes a target, it ceases to be an effective measure. Yes. Only this time, it's for tickets and dollars related to them. I'm sure no one would do that. Yeah, it'll be fine. surely. Just get in the money box. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to think of things that I haven't already said. Can you hear the sweet sounds of piano in the background? <laughs> yes. Just a little. Okay. Just well, a tiny bit. You're welcome, I guess. Can't, <laughs> I can't do anything about it. <laughs> so what do they do? I mean, ask. It doesn't hurt you to ask. Yeah. But I don't think you will get it. I don't know. I, I, I kind of think you will. You think they will? Yeah. I mean, I've asked for a... Okay. So one time in my career, I asked for about a 30% raise and I got it. But what I did was I actually brought a whole bunch of evidence, including like... So a whole bunch of things about my personal productivity. A bunch of my contributions are all documented in one place. Put it on a piece of paper, showed it to the you know head of engineering, and asked for the raise. I even had like a comparable. I said I have a friend at this company making this much. I want to make that much too. So I had lots of data, and this was a pretty flat organization at the time, and a, a somewhat early stage startup. It was like a Series C startup, and I got it. I got the thirty percent, and so I think like the smaller the company and the flatter the company, the more likely you are to get big salary swings if you ask for them. Hmm. Well, you just destroyed my whole premise. Just go ask for it. And it might happen. Well, that's not what it, you said. You said prepare meticulously and then go ask for it, bringing along the the large piles of evidence you've collected. That sounds good. Yeah. I think I probably need to say more about that. So what I'm doing on a daily basis sounds an awful lot like the senior engineer positions I hear about. Mm-hmm. You need to have the same understanding of what you're doing and how it relates to a senior engineer as the person you're trying to convince. I've seen people try to use like a job description that's very vague and then mm. slot in kind of some some things that they have done into that. And that's just not the framework that we used for evaluating compensation or levels really. Mm. So how do you check this? I don't know. You should have some idea that your evidence is compelling besides uh, here's like a blog post I read about what a senior engineer does. Oh, uh, yes. For sure. Hmm. Well, have we answered it? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's a it's a hard one. Oh, you got it. Okay, here's the real answer. You have to take advantage of the inherent power dynamics in a flat organization, which is not that there are no power dynamics. It's that they go from explicit based on hierarchy to implicit based on popularity, kind of. So you need to just convince the crowd that you are worth it. And then they, they, they together decide. Or, or not the crowd even. You convince the popular people. Find out mm. where the exclusive lunch table is in mm-hmm. the cafeteria. Mm-hmm. Sit there. Win over the mean girls. 
and then you got it. <laughs> it's mob performance evaluations. Yes, which has a sinister ring to it <laughs> now that you say that. <laughs> I think that's what they did to Frankenstein's monster. I don't think I have anything else to say about this. My wisdom is used up. Well, all right. Have we answered it? I think so. Okay, good luck. I hope it works. Good luck. We demand our standard 1% if it does work. That's right. All the credit. And all, so you can have 99% of the money. That's how generous we are. Okay. We just ask for 1% of it and all of the credit. And 100% of the credit. Yeah, but you can't spend that, right? So <laughs> it's fine. Just kidding. What can people do if they want their own questions answered, Dave? Go to our website at softskills.audio and click the Ask a Question button. Fill out our little form there. We just want to say thank you to all of those who have done that. We've got so many questions. We love all of them. And each of you, we promise to answer all of them eventually. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And we will catch you next week. 